the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good morning, everybody. Uh, well, it really warmed up, huh? <laughs> get my, you know, get my bathing suit out and some suntan lotion. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, we, oh, oh I lost my spot. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I, I can't find my, I, I usually have a, uh, encouraging idea in the morning, but I don't have any this morning. So we'll just go straight to my webpage. Uh, you know, if you go to Google and you Google Tim Hayes radio, or you can Bing it, or I think you can do it on Facebook too. Uh, I show up and, uh, you know, the, my picture's on the front and then right below it says buy low, sell high. There's under bulletin board, there's some really good stuff there. And, uh, usually I think what the best part is, 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 uh, the technical analysis. And, and people ask me, why do I look at charts? And I just keep telling them, this is, I'm a visual person. You know what? It's hard to visualize a, a market that's worth $12 trillion. Okay. The bond market's five or six times bigger than that. So, Try imagine that in your mind. It's kind of hard to do. But if you look at the whole market together, sometimes you can see what's going on. And uh, that way we can see, oh, you know, hey, look, you know, the, the, the yields, you know, the 10-year yield made a couple double tops, you know, that type of thing. Anyway, Bob Dickey uh, is our head technical strategist. So the technical updates down there, they have the market week, which tells you what happened in the market every week. They're talking about interest rates lower for longer. I, I think Mr. Powell's the only guy who doesn't think that. And <laughs> uh, also, we have some stuff on cybersecurity, which is very, very important. Uh, if you'd like to have coffee with me, you just hit the contact me or email me. And um, if you'd like to sit down and run your portfolio, if you don't have a wealth plan, I highly recommend it. Um, look, I, I looked at a lot of things, uh, and some people gave me a hard time uh, this week, and they said, hey, you know, don't you remember, uh, it was two weeks ago, actually, and then I had another one this week. said, you know, uh, why didn't you warn us? And, you know, I, I talked to a lot of, everybody that came into my office, in, in, you know, from December on, uh, I sent an email to back in the spring saying, hey, get your ducks in order, okay? And th- that's not saying, hey, you know, everything's fine. You know, when, you, when, when I think of everybody saying get my ducks in order, that means, I should be paying attention, all right? So now, look, I had cash. Everybody, a lot of people had cash. Nobody, you never have enough when you have a situation like we've been going through. Right now, I just think there's an absence of buyers. But let's we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, We do have a newsletter that comes out every month. Uh, This is kind of stuff that is good financial information, not always about the stock market, okay? Uh, Like what happened to your money, hedge, you know, hybrid funds, balance, lifestyle, or target, Target funds are having some problems. <laughs> uh, reviewing your estate plan, you know, stuff like that. Um, and 
I would once again, look, I think the telecommunications, the media stocks, the Internet stocks are all going through a period of uh, digestion, shall we say. The media stocks, I mean, Walt Disney has not hit a new high in, in three years, folks. Okay, so it's it's not been one of the leaders of this last run up. Uh, CBS is down 50%, you know, so a lot of these media stocks are getting beat up. You know, Lionsgate, which is big holding of John Malone, it, oh, not a big holding, it's a holding, uh, it's got creamed, okay? So a lot of these names have been hit, all right? Uh, Internet stocks have been hit. Technology stocks have been hit. Telecommunications, some of them have started to advance. And I told you that's 5G. Well, we did have a, telecommun- a tele- technology, Internet, media, and telecommunications conference. Sorry, that was hard to get out this morning. Uh, a couple weeks ago. And if you'd like that information, please let us know. Uh, hit the contact me or email me on that. And uh, there we go. By the way, there's a lot of new rules uh, in the tax area that are going to surprise you come January 1 when you go to see your accountant. And part of those is new rules that impact charitable giving. If you'd like more on that, we have a brief synopsis that you can actually talk to your accountant and uh, and make some sense with. All right. All right. So anyway, um, look, this is how we, we left things uh, last week. I said, you know, get a shopping list, but make sure you're buying quality. I also talked about the test tech conference, and I talked about the, the some of the people who are doing pay uh, pay type stocks. Okay, uh, so they're they're financials, but they're technology stocks also, and I'll leave them alone. Also, I talked about platforms, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later today. And and look, I think that there's a lot of uh, stuff going on out there that you know you got to pay attention to. We're going to try to hit as much of that as possible. Also, I think this is, and I'm going to go over this in, in detail next week. You know, it's it's time to start thinking the dogs of the Dow. Uh, the dogs of Dow, uh, you know, if you would have just put your money in the Dow Jones, uh, if you would have put $10,000 back in 1972, you'd have $1.3 million. If you put in the dogs of the Dow, you'd have $1.7 um, And so they, these are pretty highly rated stocks. Uh, I think you're, you'd be in, in a really, really good shape long run with these stocks uh and and it it's it's just a way of investing buying low and selling high is what it comes down to all right using dividend yield to your advantage um look i i i think the S&P and 500 uh, you know, as a friday was at a crossroads in that tw- you remember we talked about 2620 being kind of a key area for them um and i think we broke below that friday the question is uh you know how how important is that now the next line of defense here is i believe in the 2540 area on the s&p so you got to start to think about stuff like that uh but we've had the 50-day cross over the 200-day going down so that's that's not good also half of the s&p stocks are in what is known as it's 52 percent of the stocks are in bear a market territory that means they're down 20 percent or more 72 percent of the russell 2000 are down more than 30%. So there we go. Now, the one thing that hasn't happened is the indexes haven't folded yet. And I think that'll probably be the last thing to go, in my humble opinion. I do see that fixed income is people are starting to pay attention. Remember I said we had a double top and the momentum was starting to die on the yield charts a couple weeks ago. We're starting to see that happen. Uh, so we're seeing financial and banks and, te- and technology stocks, which are pretty oversold at this point. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh and we're going to go over this a little bit more here in a second. Um, 
But we had an interesting uh, conference call. Well, let, let's we had two interesting conference calls. One uh, was about the uptick rule. Uh, and I, you know, back in 2007, I went over this every week. I said the uptick rule goes away soon. And I think people are starting to say that maybe that was a dumb idea. You know, that helped the markets stabilize since 1930s, 1933, I think it was. And um, they they killed the rule in 2007. It was, by the way, it was Richard Cox, who was the uh, uh, the head of the Securities Exchange Committee at that, at that point. But I believe it was 1938 when they started the uptick rule. And all it says is before you can short something, you got to have way for an uptick. The machines now can run run your stock right into the ground because they don't have to worry about an uptick anymore. Okay, so the shorts really get an advantage there. Uh, and a lot of people are calling for reinstatement. And me, I, I think they've there's been major, major people starting to call for reinstatements. Uh, they're, they're even starting to talk about it on CNBC now. So it would be interesting to see what happens. The second uh, thing we talked about this week, um, we had uh, a gentleman by the name of Fu Lee. Uh, and he was talking about artificial intelligence and the, and what the superpowers are. And uh, Mr. Lee is the chairman of Sinovation Ventures and president of Sinovation Venture Artificial Intelligence Institute. He's very, he just put out a book, which is uh, I just ordered, and it's called Artificial Intelligence or AI Superpowers, China and Silicon Valley, the New World Order. And it was kind of interesting. He talked about the four waves of uh artificial intelligence the first one was in in 1998 which was uh the internet the second one was the business artificial intelligence the third one was what we call perception artificial intelligence and the and the fourth one was autonomous and so the five premises of artificial intelligence are massive data accurate objective tagging that's you they're tagging by the way single domain computational power you know how much do we have and the experts. Uh, now we lead in top scientists. Uh, so how can we say have how, how can he say that China has a chance? Um, well, mostly the breakthroughs uh, they've been developing and pushing faster than we have. So uh, there's been a couple observations that, that he had. Only a few artificial intelligence breakthroughs. Deep learning is the biggest breakthrough that is not is now easy to apply. The second observation was that AI is entering the era of implementation. And then the third observation he made was AI platforms plus open openness lower AI barriers. So China's leapfrogging in AM because they don't have to worry so much about uh, anyone's privacy. Okay. So, uh, and they have a, a massive amount of young Chinese AI engineers, by the way. That's what they've been pushing for a long time. So, it's going to be a tough market, uh, you know, but tough markets beget tough entrepreneurs. And it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, China's AI capital leads the world. I mean, 48% uh, of their capital is going towards AI, where it's only 38% in the U.S. and only 13% for everybody else. So what I guess I'm suggesting <laughs> is I recommend books from time to time. This is a book you ought to pay attention to. AI Superpowers, China, Silicon Valley, and the New World Order by K. Fu Li. Uh, highly recommend it. Second thing I want to talk about is China no longer has a, uh, I mean, they now have a deficit. Uh, they don't have a current account su- surplus anymore. So what does that mean when you don't have a current account su- surplus anymore? Well, 
Tom Porcelli basically said that what he thinks is going to happen is they're not going to have money to buy bonds. Our bonds, because that's what they've been buying. So here we are issuing more debt than we ever have, and one of our principal buyers no longer has a current account surplus. So th- this tariff scenario is, is becoming a little bit harder to deal with, and, and, you know, there we go. Look, one of the things that, you know, we talked about this week or last week was the yield curve inverting, and usually the yield curve has to be inverted for a period of time uh, before, you know, you have to really worry. Uh, last summer, the Fed published a paper that cited the near-term yield curves from three months to 18 months as the best predictor of recessions and future Fed policy. It'll be interesting to see, uh, <laughs> you know, if they continue on, you know, raising rates. The other thing is, one of the things people don't re- realize is that after the yield curve inverse, there's usually a pretty big rally. Um, and look, uh, you know, we've been talking about a defensive posture. We talked about utilities, master limited partnerships, and REITs back in the spring, then uh, consumer staples. Uh, the bullish percent is still in the column of O's. So, uh, you know, it's it's now below 30, but I've seen some charts break down. The S&P 500 broke down. We've, the, the sectors are very narrow. I've only got softwares and electric utilities in the in the favored status area. So be careful out there. We'll be right back. This is Smart Investor Show. up on what we were just talking about and if, if you missed what you just heard whk 1420 uh has uh, most of the stuff recorded so if you go to po- local podcasts on their there's you know whk 1420.com uh and go and, and scroll down tim hayes you can get a whole you find all that stuff if by the way you can also click on my web page there so if you want any of the materials like the dividend growth portfolio we always talk about i think Right now is a good time to be really ratcheting that thing up. And the prime income list has been doing great, by the way. I, I kind of quit recommending it because it's got a lot of utilities and a lot of REITs that are, are going up pretty pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, you want to buy a yield when it's down, not when it's up. Uh, but those two, and, and also our telecommunications, Internet, media, and, and uh, technology uh, uh, conference, I think that's good information. But... Two, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago, I talked about the 10 year yield losing some steam. Some momentum was turning down. This is the yield now, not the bond. And we were at 325 then. Well, we hit 282 this last week. So obviously it was a pretty good call. So here's the big problem. Everybody says, well, what are we, what are we worried about? Well, look, I keep talking about these channels and, you know, we're in this very nice up channel. Uh, but the difference is, is that we're pretty far above the uptrend line and the, from the, the, the one uptrend line, so you, what you do is you draw a line uh, above all the, the highs and on the lows. So it's like, a, it's like a parallel line that goes up. But the difference between the top line and the bottom line is about 18%. So that's why we're a little bit more cautious and we tell them people to get ducks in order, okay? So, look, we had a really good piece on uh, software and technology. And, you know, you look at information technology, and there's three real hard categories, software and services, Technology and hardware and equipment, and then below that, the semiconductor and semiconductor equipment. In the software and services, you have IT services and and just plain software. 
So under IT, it's data processing and outsourced services, internet services and infrastructure, and IT consulting. And then in software, we're talking about system software and application software, okay? So what we do is we break down each one of the companies with this, and and, and it gets interesting. On technology, what we have is communication equipment, uh, technology hardware storage and peripherals, and then electronic equipment and instruments and components and that type of thing. And under communications equipment, there's a lot of good names there. And under t- under the hardware, uh, you know, we're talking about storage and peripherals. There's a lot of good names there. And some of them with pretty big dividends at this point. And electronic equipment, we have components. We have electronic equipment and the instruments. Remember, all this stuff needs testing instruments, especially coming in with 5G, by the way. They're going to have to ch- check for speed all the time. And electronic manufacturing services. So there we go. Semiconductors, you know, you have semiconductors and semiconductor equipment manufacturers. So it, once you know all this um, and you can break it down, you can really get a good feel for uh, everything within the uh, technology area. Okay. Now, uh, let's, let's go back and let's talk a little bit about the markets. I've been kind of filling in with, you know, different pieces about the market uh, just to keep you interested. But Look, we talked about 2620 holding. Uh, it didn't, didn't hold on Thursday, but it rallied back up. And then on Friday, it didn't hold again. Uh, so that probably tells us that we're going back to the old low from back in, uh, March and April, uh, which is around 2540. Now here's what I really like though, because believe me, I'm getting a lot of phone calls and, uh, usually I make the outgoing phone calls, uh, and, not too many people are interested in hearing what I want to buy. Okay. But when you have liquidity go away like it has, you worry a little bit. I mean, Johnson Johnson was down big on a story, uh, Friday from literally, I mean, 1957, 1958 is when they think whatever happened occurred. And then a, a letter was written in 1970. Uh, you know, 1970 was 48 years ago. Okay. Or 38. Yeah. 48 years ago. So, it's a long time, all right? So things are getting interesting, but the bears are gathering, all right? The number of bears on the American Association of Individual Investors is over 50 now. The number of bulls has make, been making a series of lower highs for the last 10 years. And by the way, the last time it was up in the 60s was at the peak, this is all good if good things, okay? So uh, I want you to think about that, the Bears are now over 50. All right, so somebody asked me, why do we do the technical analysis? Well, look, it adds value, and it builds your process, okay? So we're adding value by looking at things like relative strength, where the charts are, et cetera. Uh, We build a process, and then, you know, we have to talk about trend analysis, uh, and, and it's important. Look, you can have the best stock in the world. If it's heading south for some reason, it's heading south, okay? So you got to look at the chart. You got to know if supply or demand is in control. Then what you should be doing is checking relative strength, you know, whether it's in the, closer to the support line or the resistance line, you know, that type of thing. So it's, it's an important thing. Uh, look, is some supply or demand in control? And a lot of the times people are buying stocks where supply is still in control. That's not how you make money, okay? I don't know if anybody's ever done that. And, you know, usually if you see a stock that's broken down and busted up, you got to let it go sideways for a while and see some relevance of, of uh, demand starting to come in. 
All right. Uh, a couple other things. Um, you know, the U.S. Treasury Treasury curve uh, had kind of a kink in it this week. Uh, you know, the, the five year five year yields are now below the the two year yields, uh, which is unusual, not by much, about twelve basis points. Uh, so that inversion of the five and three years happens with uh, pretty excessive frequency. It's seventy three times since nineteen fifty four. Uh, and there's only been nine recessions, just so you know. So what they're worried about is if the 10-year goes below the three-year. And we haven't seen that yet. So uh, so like I said, we 73 times since 1953, there's been nine recessions, just so you know. Look, um, if you look at the first instance of inversion versus uh, eventual recession, the lead times are somewhere up to 69 months, all right? The other thing that people don't understand is that there's usually a fairly large uh, rally. And, look, I have two veterans of Wall Street, one gentleman who works, uh, Jeff Stout. You know, you see him on CNBC all the time. You know, he, he's saying that uh, we're very close to, uh, you know, he said back in October 2nd or something like that, or October 3rd, they had a short-term sell signal. And and now he's getting much more bullish. And uh, I'm also, I also have a gentleman uh, by the name of uh, Connolly, uh, Joe Connolly, who's really smart guy, and he's saying it's almost time to put money to work. So we'll we'll see what happens. I, I think what we're seeing here is a lack of buyers. Okay, simple as that. Now, I'm also seeing kind of the same thing in the. Um, I I was seeing it in in the commodities a couple weeks ago, and now they've kind of stopped going down. Uh, we're starting to pick up some buyers. The bonds, we had a lack of buyers, and now that people are starting to worry about recession, they're buying it big. So we'll see what happens with the stock market, but I think things for you know the stock market are, are – I think we're getting closer to the end than the beginning. But the technical backdrop for, for equities has been very, very weak. Uh, as the S&P 500 once again failed at the 2620 area, um, and it really kind of collapsed that resistance at about 2800. So that, that was kind of a bummer. Long-term investors, uh, look – I don't want you to lose sight of the positive secular backdrop for equities. Um, if you look at the, most of the long-term analysis that I've seen is very positive for equities into the mid-1920s. Uh, okay, so I was about to say 1930s. Uh, so, you know, there's all these cycles, the 1734-year cycle. So we, we could have some good times coming up here. This is very similar to this the secular bull market that happened in the 50s, 60s, and, and then the 80s and 90s. So don't get too bearish is what I'm trying to say. But this four-year cycle started early, okay? And, it, you know, during bull markets, every four years you have a correction. And, and this one happens to be a little bit more violent than, than we expected. But, look, I, I think what you want to do is you want to look at sectors that have held up and then look for high-quality dividend players that might have got beaten up a little bit, okay? Uh you know, that buy yield when it's up. Uh, look, technology is having a hard time. There's some stocks that I'd like in that area, um, but there's some stocks that are weakening, and I don't think what led for the last three years is going to lead going forward. That's my opinion. Remember I said that Lori Calcivina, our head strategist, said that the FANG stocks of our top 70 accounts, 62 were overweighted in them. They're overowned. Who are they going to sell to? Okay, if they have as much, as much as they think. So, healthcare looked great until Friday, and that's when Johnson Johnson's uh, you know stock was down pretty hard. Um, and banks remain weak, although they're they're really close to an area 
uh, where there's a lot of resistance. Now, the other thing I'm seeing is that uh, we're we're seeing the 10-year bond yield stop exactly where it should have in the downtrend that's been around since 1980. So maybe uh, this this fact that we think that interest rates are going to be lower for longer, very, very positive. Um, if I look at the, um, well, I can look at that. If I look at growth versus value on a weekly basis, uh, it looks like value's picking up over growth. And I think what's going to be very, very important is high-quality balance sheets. All right? High-quality balance sheets going forward for a while are going to be very important. But we remember, we talked a couple weeks ago about the momentum in the 10-year yield starting to wane. Uh, it looked like they were overbought and peaking. Well, the, most of them have broken down. Uh, the 10-year yield, the 30-year yield have broken their uptrend line. Uh, so, But the problem is the relative strength is very oversold at this point, so there could be a bounce. Oil's right in an area where there's major support, uh, so I, I hope it holds. I've never seen oil. <laughs> oil went from seventy six ninety to $49 in about three weeks. I've never seen that before. I am noticing a little bit of uptick in gold, which was natural in the down market. So bonds and gold have finally started to uh, uh, come into play, uh, which is very, very positive. Uh, healthcare, like I said, and staples have been breaking out. I mean, Procter & Gamble hit a new high this week. On Friday, I believe it did. Uh, utilities have been breaking out. We talked about that back in the spring. Staples look great. Healthcare has a nice uptrend going, uh, even with the Johnson Johnson news. And, and by the way, it took down all the healthcare stocks. And they, they were a little bit overbought, so it might be a good buying opportunity. And I'm seeing uh, three or four healthcare stocks that I really like. I've also found some rails, uh, and the rails look really, really attractive. Um, and I actually have a semiconductor stock that I'm starting to like. And a couple of the biotech stocks look pretty good. The one thing I will suggest is that communication equipment, which we haven't talked about on this show, and I think the first time I talked about it, I said that you know it was time to short it in my first show. <laughs> so it's the first time we've talked about telecommunications equipment in 18 years, all right? So now's the time to start to be looking at these. I've got four names that I really, really like, and uh, I'll leave it at that. And by the way, they all have pretty good dividends. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Bullish Percent. This is Smart Investor Show. I was driving. Trees went back. Me and Dell was. Okay, if you just tuned in. Uh, this is Tim Hayes and the Smart Investor Show. And like I said before, um, if you just missed, just hit part of the show and like to hear the whole thing on Mondays at about noon or Tuesdays about noon, I'm not sure which one, I have to get that clarified. Uh, if you go to WHK1420, there's a full podcast to me. So if it's late at night and you can't sleep, <laughs> you just, just hit the button and, uh, you'll be in, you'll be asleep in 10 minutes. Um, Anyway, this is the part where we talk about the bullish percent, which is our main risk uh, guide, shall we call it. And and it's been around for a long, long time. And all it all it's there to do is tell you when to be bullish and when to be bearish, opposite of what everybody else is telling you. Okay? You want to be bullish when everybody else is scared, and you want to be scared when everybody else is bullish. That's simple. So this is a chart that goes from 0 to 100. And... Uh, you know, basically, uh, what we're looking at is 
Uh, a column of X's means we have the offensive team on the field. A column of O's means we have the offensive, I mean, the defensive team on the field. Now, there's some other things that go around, and we'll add those as we, we go along. So you have to listen to the show more, I guess. Uh, but look, just because you go into a column of O's doesn't mean you have to sell the whole group. I mean, sell everything, okay? Just remember that. There's high-quality stocks. There's some stink stocks that are still holding up, you know, that type of thing. Uh, also, when we have two divider lines, this, this chart goes from 0 to 100. When we get over 70, that's the red zone. Remember, we were at 65 back in January. Uh, and when we get below 30, that's when you, you want to be, you know, starting your, like I said, get a quality list of names that you've, you've missed in the past that you'd like to own. And, and we're there. Okay. We're at 30% right now. Um, you know, we went up pretty high, uh, last week and, and it came all down. So we were down 4.7% for the week. Over the counter index is a column of O's. It's below 30. The world index is below 32 in a column of O's. So, uh, the defense is still, online okay and and you got to pay attention all right so um i mean when johnson johnson goes down 10 12 bucks in a day you should be paying attention because that's when liquidity is is not as as strong as it should be uh remember people when we have an absence of buyers is what we have right now because everybody's waiting for the federal reserve and waiting for the you know the tariff scenario uh people just step aside all right and uh, you have bad news and look out below okay so you got to be a little bit more careful um, but we are getting closer to the end than the beginning. The problem is, you know, sometimes when you go from 30 to 12, let's say on the bullish percent, it can get awfully painful. So, uh, just remember that. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, look, uh, everybody's telling me about inflation and I'm going to say, I'm going to ask a question. Where's the inflation? You know, we got a discussion of the market, uh, the impact, the fed rate hike schedule, uh, one of the key drivers of uh, monetary policy is inflation. So can the Fed rate hike scheduled schedule really continue without fear? Um, well, let me let me step without clear signs of, of serious inflation pressure. The headline inflation number, the Fed's key, uh, you know, uh, cited metric on the topic has leveled off from 2.2% from a year uh, as of November uh, the heels of lower oil prices, uh, copper prices are down 30% in a month. And can the markets tell us about the future expectations for, uh, for inflation? Well, the tips can, and the tips, um, yields, you know, they have mostly cooled down to 1.65%, putting zero pressure on the Fed to raise rates given the, the 2% inflation target. So, you know, uh, the tips have a certain rate plus inflation. Okay. So you're making money over inflation, but I don't see anything there. You know, so it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, I, well, I'm not going to take over that for now. Um, most of the markets have been in negative territory for some time now. I am starting to see, like, some of the emerging markets, like the EEM, uh, been positive momentum. I talked about that chart last week. I'm starting to see a little bit in the in the Chinese market, and I'll talk about that in a second. But most of the domestic markets have been, the weekly momentum has been negative, although the long-term charts still look good. The problem is we're way above the uptrend line, okay? Uh, now, the Russell 2000 is coming very close to its uptrend line, and the small ca- the small cap index, the uh, uh, S&P small cap index, did break its uptrend line. So now we have some problems there. Um, you know, so the the IJW, IJH, which is a small cap index, has broken its uptrend line. The IWM is getting close to it. So not not good things happening. Now, 
this week, uh, you know, we talk about the sector bullish percent. So we look at the sectors also. And uh, remember, we were, <laughs> we're at 64 here, and I said that was pretty high back in January. We're now at 29. We're down f- almost 4% this week. Uh, electric utilities have gone nuts. Now, we, we recommended to buy yield when it was up. Remember that back in the spring? And, the, and they had beat the utilities up pretty hard. Uh, that, is, that has been a 12% move plus the dividend since then. So uh, that was pretty good advice. They're at 58%, uh, but they are favored. And then the other two favored sectors are telecom and software at 40, and then restaurants at 30. So we, we're now up to four favored sectors. Remember, just two weeks ago, we had none. And we had three straight weeks where there was none. So we're starting to get a little direction. you know. So those are the areas I'd stay with. I will say that we have 20 groups that are under 30 right now. So if there was a reversal up, and you know, I can think of a lot of reasons why uh, things would uh, reverse up. We did see some stuff that was uh, in what I call bull confirmed status that are below 50. Biomedics uh, and genetics, uh, ut- gas utilities, healthcare, and real estate and, and software are all below 50. So, you know, those are probably some areas that you can pick away at a little bit too. Um, media went to average. Gas utilities went to above average. Machinery, textile, and semiconductors went to unfavored. Internet uh, moved up a little bit. Steel, forest, and paper products and protection services, you know, got whacked pretty hard. So uh, be careful there. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about China, and, and uh, I'm talking about a couple different ETFs, okay? And um, I've been looking at these things, and it looks like they've broken their downtrend line. Isn't that interesting? Right? Um, and now they, they, they moved up. Well, they pulled back, then they moved up. Now they've pulled back again. So I, I'm not sure as of Friday, you know, if, if we're still above that uptrend line, but I noticed it on two or three of the different charts of major Chinese ETFs. Uh, now, I am not suggesting that you buy them yet. Uh, either am I suggesting that you buy the EEM, okay? I'm just suggesting that it looks like supply is starting to go away and demand starting to pick up a little bit. Uh, so I think you want to be very careful. Uh, I think, look, I know of somebody uh, – that's on the radio, not necessarily on the station, but um, was t- telling all his clients and telling everybody on the radio to be in foreign stocks. I think in uh, I think May May fifteenth uh, or May seventeenth, um, maybe it was May nineteenth this uh, of the week of. We suggested you no longer want to be in the in the foreign markets. Okay, now also the dollar rallied against the euro, so I'm not seeing anything in the euro that really helps either. And they're going to, they're taking away quantitative easing in Europe. Um, remember we the first couple of years they did that here. <laughs> that was 14 and 15 folks. And, uh, things got a little bit hairy there. Uh, now the 10 year treasury yield, we talked about this made a double top at 3.25 and we suggested that the momentum was going to go down in one week. It, uh, one and a half weeks, it dropped, uh, basically from there down to a 282 yield. Uh, which is a big, big move down for Treasury bonds. And that kind of rallied the, the group up to the point where you might even be even if you're in a mutual fund in that area. So that, uh, um, anyway, the, 
Look, I, I think there's a couple things. Uh, you know, some recent market action and some comments from the Fed officials have altered the expectation for the pace of rate increases in 2019. You know, look, one month ago, the Fed was predicting a greater than 50% chance that they'd have at least three to five 25 basis points moves. The, the future is now predicting a greater than 90% chance that the Fed will increase 75 basis points or less by the end of the of next year. Um, and if you look at the probability of distributions, uh, the Fed futures market was predicting a 33.5% chance that the target Fed funds rate would be uh, two, 275 to 300 basis points by the end of next year. That's a 17% increase, by the way. Um, I don't, I don't think I'd be surprised if that happens. That that would really rock the markets, my my opinion. Uh, oil and and all the commodities uh, have been negative for for most of the best of uh, six or seven weeks now, with the exception of gold. Gold's picked up a little bit again, and copper. But copper got killed, you know, uh, just absolutely killed. It went straight up and straight back down. Um, now I am seeing a couple things like feeder cattle, uh, which is still way below its uptrend line. So it's not a solid citizen rallied up big last week and corn broke its downtrend line. Now, if I look at commodities, agriculture is the number one commodity, then energy uh, commodities, then precious metals then industrial metals. I think uh, we're very close to seeing precious metals jump above energy. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Relative strength. You know, we always talk about relative strength. Next week, we're going to talk about the importance of relative strength and how it's calculated. So make sure you listen in next week. Uh, but relative strength buy signals are very important. What we're trying to do is we've talked about the economy. We moved it down. We're talking about different ideas where relative strength goes positive. That's usually a good thing in the long run. Okay. Some of these relative strength buy signals last, I mean, Danaher started in 2000 and it's still going. <laughs> All right. So a lot of these uh, are good things to write down. You know, you do your own homework. Uh, if, if you're doing business with me, I'll do it for you. But, uh, Ameren Corporation, that's an electric utility. Chesapeake Utilities, another gas utility. Getty Realty, uh, Argo Insurance, uh, Market Axis, uh, Natural Resource LP, uh, Penny Mac Mortgage in, uh, Trust, Super Micro, that's a, that's a, uh, technology company. Tesla, huh, haven't heard that name in a while. Melendo Therapeutics, One Gas, Atera Bio, uh, Therapeutics, Entergy Corp, New Age Bev, that's the marijuana type stuff. On the sell side, this is where you better check your fundamentals again. So we're trying to match the technicals and the fundamentals together. Usually you'll make more money that way. Associated Bank Corp, C Corp, Smith, Commercial Vehicle, Eastman Chemical, First Horizon National, Fossil, H&E Equipment, Savara, it's a biotechnology company, Express, Caesar Entertainment, National Oil Well, Children's Place, Plantronics, Royal, uh, Rowan Companies, and Corvo, Steel Dynamics, WT Offshore, Vitamin Shops, Franks International, Macrogenetics, Vince uh, Holdings, Continental Resources, and Carvana. Uh, so this is quite a few of them. All right. Now, look, one other thing. On Thursday, the, the European Central Bank cut its growth forecast, and the euro versus the dollar, the cross rate, uh, looks like it's going to be a problem for European stocks for a little bit of time to come. So... Uh, be careful. The best performing group was utilities over the last two weeks, and small caps the worst performing. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Insiders. This is Smart Investor Show.
Okay, once again, this is Smart Investor Show. So if you just tuned in and you want to hear the rest of it, go to WHK1420, uh, their webpage. And it says podcasts, and boom, you go down to Tim Hayes, and there I am. It, it can also send you directly to our to my webpage. So if you want to get the dividend growth portfolio, I think it's a great time to be looking at those stocks. You know, you buy yield when it's up, and, and when the stocks are down, these companies that raise their dividend every year, by the way, they're holding up better than most. Um, also, the prime income list is a really great place, but it's got a lot of utility. So, you know, that's one that you want to talk to me about, uh, you know, which ones I buy when okay also our telecommunicate i'm sorry our technology internet media and telecommunications conference we have both days available all right uh so now we talk about insiders and we insiders are smarter than us they've run in the companies they should know better okay so when they buy you pay attention and so these this is you know we we talked about relative strength buys i'm not telling you which ones to buy and i told you about sells so if you own those you want to be paying close attention so these are names that you can use. Um, now, if you're doing business with me, I investigate these things very closely. Uh, and I think you want to be very, very, very cautious right now simply because the insiders have been wrong. Now, they're usually uh, a lot smarter than the analysts. I mean, they're, they're more, they have a better predictive power. If you get the analyst and the insider buying at the same time, that's a really good thing, okay? Uh, now, here's a company, Newmark. And remember, uh, just two weeks ago, we talked about this company. There was lots of insider buying. Well, the CEO uh, bought $950,000 on December 12th. Then he, I mean, yeah, on December 10th, he bought $2.6 million. Then he bought $950,900 worth. Then the next day, he bought $5.4 million worth. And then we had a director buy 83000 who owns a lot, by the way. So, the the CEO, by the way, owns like two million shares. So you love to see when guys are buying two, you know, they have two million shares that are buying more. It's a tremendous thing to see. Trust me on that one. And then um, there a uh, Foldem F L D M is a symbol. Remember, uh, Levin Capital, which is a ten percent owner, has been buying this thing regularly. They bought another two hundred seventy thousand shares. And here's a new one I haven't seen in a while, but we did see with our competitor Carnival Cruise Line. Uh, there was several insider buys there. Now we have Royal Caribbean Cruises. Um, the chair and CEO bought $1.99 million and he owns a lot. All right. Now, here's one for you uh, people who like to roll the dice. Uh, I'm not recommending this, but uh, Greg Williams, uh, who, who has bought this company, quite a bit of this company. It's called Second Sight. Um, it's at 86 cents. He bought another 2.9 million shares, uh, two point, well, I'll just call it $3 million worth. And he's bought one, two, three, two, five. Well, 20, uh, I, I only have one page, but it's about 20 times. So there you go. Now here's, you know, we've been talking about regional banks and, and I, I expected the financials to lead and it's not happening. And that's probably telling me we don't have a bottom yet. Okay. But, uh, Live Oak Bank shares, uh, which has just got pummeled. Uh, I mean, it's been cut in half. It was thirty-two bucks. Is now fifteen. Um, we had uh, several people. The president of uh, one group bought four hundred thirty-nine thousand uh, dollars worth. The VP and the EVP bought two hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars worth. A director bought two hundred forty thousand dollars worth, and the CEO bought three point two million dollars worth. So uh, LOB. All right. And Heister Yale Materials. 
You know, the Rankins have been buying this. So we had, you know, we've probably had 30 buyers in the last month. And we had 11 more, and they've all been between $100,000 and $233,000. So that's probably 45 buyers. I think that may be a record for me <laughs> since I've been doing this. Um, and then Aramark, uh, which is in you know the uh, restaurant services business. Uh, th- this is another stock that was at 44, is now at 30, so they've crushed it pretty hard. But the president, CEO, and chair, uh, Eric Voss, bought $1.68 million dollars. And then Riata Pharmaceuticals, um, we, we had a CPMG, which is a major money manager, make two purchases of $3.32 million on Monday, and then on Wednesday bought $3.172, and they had a director, Kent McCarthy, who's a very bright guy, by the way, you want to might Google him, he bought the same amount on the same days. So uh, this is stock that was $100, is now 61 so there's, it got beat up pretty hard. Um it's amazing how many insider buyers, by the way, we have uh, during this period. So uh, the stock market may be giving us a false signal because the insiders are buying like crazy. I mean, the insiders are definitely bullish. Now, Method Electronics, I, own, I owned some of this. I have one client still left with it, but the CEO, uh, and he's been really good at buying his stock, by the way, just bought $1.7 million worth. The stock's gone from 45 down to 24 um, but then a lot of stocks have been gone down, obviously. Um, and let's see. Oh, Ron Perlman bought an, of, uh, Revlon. Uh, you know, he started buying this stock at 1415 and he, he's, this is his eighth purchase. He just bought a million dollars more at 24. So just think of being up 50%. In this type of market, and he's actually down from where the high was. I think it went all the way up to 30. So you could have made quite a bit of money. Uh, now, Trinity, uh, Brandon Rowe, who's a director, bought $2.6 million, then bought another $211,000 worth. So about $2.8, $2.9 million. Now, look, um, this was a $29 stock. It's now 22 But these are the guys that uh, ship oil and water back and forth via trains they, they make the rail cars okay seagate technology you may recall the value act bought a bunch of stock at uh, 52 55 area well they just stepped up uh, and bought another 10.9 million uh, on monday and then another 5.8 million on tuesday now that now it has uh i think it's pretty significant yield um, i think it's in the five six percent yield so uh, value act is pretty smart money uh, i was surprised when they got beat up on it uh, they've done quite well. Uh, also, Mohawk Industries. Remember, just a you know, back in November, uh, we had Philip Balkin buy a whole bunch of stock. I think uh, you know he he bought uh, ten million and then another fifteen million. Well, he just bought another one point five five million and one one point two million uh, at about the same price as it pulled back. So, uh, you know, they're in the consumer goods. They're actually in carpet uh, for that matter, and you know, something to uh, pay attention to because um, this this guy owns a lot of stock, and I like when they own a lot of stock and keep buying. Uh, Meta Financial, which is cash is the symbol, the president and CEO bought $520,000. The CFO bought one hundred and seven, and a director bought uh, $98,000. So uh, we're seeing multiple buys there. And Iovance, Bi- Biotherapeutics, uh, we had a gentleman who owns quite a bit, He's a director. He bought $9.5 million worth. 
the stock was twenty dollars back in March. It's now I don't know uh, nine. <laughs> and one of the Smucker boys, but uh, actually the CEO, uh, bought two point six million or uh, I'm sorry two million two point zero zero six million uh, of Schmuckers uh, after it had been beat up around one thirty five down to ninety eight. So a lot of lot of insider buying going on there now. All right, so look, uh, we what the stock market is kind of telling us is that we haven't hit bottom yet, okay? And but it does it did give us some floors. You know, the first floor was at the twenty four twenty area, twenty four thousand two hundred area, which I think we blew through on Friday, and and now the next one is the twenty three thousand four hundred area on the Dow. So. I mean, it's it's just been giving us a good idea of what support levels look like as the major indexes have bounced off these low areas uh, for the year four to six times. Okay, uh, but you know the the ultimate lows were in February, April, uh, and they were around the twenty three forty area. So it looks like we're going to go down and test that one more time just to make sure everyone's paying attention. And I imagine it'll happen next week when the Fed meets. Um, Look, uh, the stock market indexes have been trading in some pretty wide ranges for the past year, uh, but with much shorter-term volatility in between the range. And that's usually what happens when, uh, if you look the last couple of years, what we've done is we've made a big move up, and then we've gone sideways. And during that sideways pattern, it's usually last a couple, three years, we've had a couple whoops, you know. But, you know, look, and back in, in from 14 to 16, we had, uh, you know, we had the Ebola scare. We were down 11, 12%. Then we had another 5% hickey. Then we went down 15% in, in September when the Fed raised rates and then they raised them again in December. And then in January, we had a 15% hickey, you know, so, uh, then we had, um, you know, our, our friends in, uh, Britain decide to, to leave the union and we got whacked again. Then we got whacked right before the election. Then we took off. So look, I think this is just a continuation of that pattern. Uh, when this ends, I, I think it's coming close. I, I think what's going to happen is it's going to get everybody bearish. And believe me, people are bearish right now. And when they get to the bottom, then we're going to take off and nobody's going to be in the market. And I don't think anybody's going to come back for a while. So uh, that's my opinion. Now, somebody asked me about the the, um, the S&P 500. And the ultimate low here uh, is in the, the 2540 area. That's where it was, uh, bottomed back in, in February of, of last year. So, that would be where I'd uh, I'd keep you know keep my eye on, and if we held there, that would be fantastic. Um, look, right now I think, like I said before, everybody's bearish. That's a good thing. When the AA um, uh, American Association of Individual Investors get to past fifty percent bears, that's a really positive scenario. Even though it's hard to watch, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be positive in this type of scenario, but you have to be. This is when you get the best deals, okay? This is when you want to put your money to work. But you gotta, you gotta wait for the bottom, okay? They're not gonna ring a bell. They're not gonna say, hey, they're not gonna call you and say, hey, Ed, it's time for you to buy stocks. It's not gonna work that way, all right? So look, what you want to do is grab a dividend growth portfolio. Start with quality, high quality companies that increase their dividends. Good time to buy. Buy low, sell high, remember? Uh, the prime income list is, uh, you know, it's a tough one because a lot of stocks are up, but, you know, call me and I'll help you out. On top of that, we have the technology, internet, media, and telecommunications group. Media has been down and out for a long time. 
Telecommunications group, nobody spent any money on telecommunications equipment for 18 years. I can explain why when I have more time. If you'd like to have a cup of coffee, talk about your portfolio. Uh, look, it's going to be hard to, you know, it's been hard to be in bonds this year, commodities or stocks. But if you want to talk about your general portfolio, give me a call uh, or Google me. It's Tim Hayes Radio. My number is 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. And we'll sit down and we'll talk. In the meantime, you want any of the rest of this material, you know, hit the Google, Google Tim Hayes Radio uh, or go to WHK1420 and listen to my podcast. Have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes, the Smart Investor Show. Buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.